Welcome back to End to End, episode number 37 of season 2. The boys are back after a, a long time off, but a lot of things have happened and it is currently the NHL's offseason, which is weird to say in the middle of October, but yeah, in unfortunate circumstances it is. And so we're kind of catching up on a bit of news. Obviously it's free agency right now, lots of moves, lots of signings are going on. But last month, in the beginning of October, the Tampa Bay Lightning host, hoisted their second ever Stanley Cup. Uh, they won in six games over the Dallas Stars. Victor Hedman played unbelievable and he deserves the Conn Smythe Trophy, so he picked that up as well. And yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning are Stanley Cup champions. So you have any thoughts on that, Joe? No, they were the best team throughout the whole playoffs. I had honestly I had no doubt that they were going to win the Cup. Every round, they just dominated the teams. First round, second round, third round. Even in the final, that went six games. Dallas, like, kind of, like, they won game one because Tampa was tired. And then game five, they, like, pulled out of their ass. Corey yeah. Perry, double OT winner when they had, like, three shots and like, the two overtimes or something like that. But <laughs> Dallas was, like, so hurt after the finals. Like, it was actually kind of surprising how they made it and made it a series considering yeah. how many injuries they had. But I had no doubts that Tampa was going to win this year. They just were dialed in from game one. Yeah, Chris Johnson on the Steve Dingo podcast actually said, like, he had, like, there was literally nothing that could, like, convince him that they weren't going to win this year. They were so dominant in the bubbles, and he was obviously there for both of them. So, yeah, they win the Stanley Cup, their second-ever Stanley Cup. And we also had the draft, and the top three picks were as followed. Alexis Lafreniere, obviously, to the Rangers. Quinton Byfield to the Kings. And uh, Stutzel to the Ottawa Senators, who's actually going under surgery right now. So, uh, any thoughts on the draft and what you thought your team did? Because I, I know you said they did good. Well, the first round was... Okay, both rounds that they did, like, all the whole draft was so long. Yeah, too long. It was way too long. That's my first thing I want to say. It was way too long. I don't know if they did the best job they could with doing the draft the NHL because you did not need to have a five-minute timer after no. rounds like three like after that like you just got to kind of go on instinct on what your scouts said you don't need to really think about that much who you're picking after the third round to be honest unless someone drops but mm -hmm. for the picks like Montreal did I let I love their second round picks both of them back to back yeah their first round Gooley I was okay with there's probably better players available I kind of wanted them to get, um, a sh what was the defenseman that the Rangers picked? They just Schneider. traded up. Yeah, I wanted them to get Schneider instead of Gooley, but like Gooley's fine. He's like a kind of looks like a left-handed Weber, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Plays the same similar game, um, but I love their second-round picks with Tuck and uh, Nykish or Mikash, I think. Miza Miyak or something. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Mishak. Yeah, he so those two picks back to back were solid, and then the rest of the picks, I like their fourth round pick as well. Can't recall his name right now, but overall a decent draft. I, not, I don't think it was as good as last year's with Caulfield falling to them at fifteen, but still a solid draft, I would say. Yeah, I, I like the Habs draft, and I also enjoyed the Leafs draft. I think they picked pretty good guys. I mean, they're not going to be NHL ready for a bit, but. Hey, that's whatever. You have a good team right now, the Leafs. So, um, also a way to build your team is through free agency and trades, and that's been done this off season. And the first guy we all knew—well, actually, not all knew—but we kind of figured that he was going to move teams after 
Uh, there was like talks two weeks before free agency even opened that Alex Alex Petrangelo and uh, the St. Louis Blues couldn't really get a deal done right away. And then it kind of floated into free agency over day one. And, well, who did he sign with, Joe? So it was made official, I think, on Sunday that Petrangelo signed a massive seven-year, $61.6 million deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's an average... Uh, annual value of 8.8 million a season which is right around where I thought he would get like I didn't think he was going to get more than nine just because of the whole COVID situation before COVID I think he would have been over nine for sure like maybe like 9.5 around there but because of COVID I just didn't think he was going to get over nine which he didn't and he goes to Vegas like right now they're a fantasy team over there the way that they're constructed they just sign all these big-name guys, and then they have to move a lot of their players around who they sign, who we'll get to a little bit later. They made some trades in order to get Petrangelo under the cap. So that's a big signing for Vegas, a huge signing overall in the NHL. Like One of the best defensemen in the league leaving. The captain of the Blues who just won the Cup like last year. So it's a big move for sure. Yep, you said it. Good uh, fantasy team. They literally have like the best players from every other team they got them from. And they had so many assets from the expansion draft. And so they just gave them away. And they obviously got uh, Pacioretty for Suzuki and Tatar, just like that. I mean, they just got Pacioretty. He could score goals. They got Mark Stone for Eric Branstrom, who they drafted first round, I believe, the first year of their existence. And they got him from Ottawa. So. This team, honestly, like if they don't win the Stanley Cup in the next few years, it has to be a bust. I think you have to call it that because they literally have big name players getting big money and Vegas is in their fourth year of existence. And it's crazy to think that they're at this point before uh, before my team is even getting wins in the first round and getting into the playoffs. So it's crazy what Vegas is doing. They have really good players. And, you know, I don't know if they needed to sign Petrangelo in ways, but he definitely just helps them right away with that decor with him and Theodore on a pairing together, possibly that's just like crazy. And obviously Leonard signed and yeah, they have a really good team and looking forward to seeing what they can do in the playoffs and season next year. Cause they're definitely the favorite in the Pacific division. Yeah, I agree with you with uh, Petrangelo. I don't think it was their biggest need, but I think they just saw the opportunity to get him and they did everything possible to get him. Like, I think their biggest need is more depth scoring. Yeah. Because they had a tough time scoring in the playoffs. That's how. That's honestly how they lost to Dallas in the conference finals. They just couldn't score. They, they were kind of like snake bitten. Yeah. So I don't think defense was the problem, but, I mean, it's an upgrade regardless. So I don't think yeah. Vegas fans are complaining too much. So the next big signing, this one was a complete shocker to everyone, including probably the player himself, was Taylor Hall signing a one-year, essentially prove-it deal of $8 million with the Buffalo Sabres of all teams. And when you think about it, it, it kind of makes sense for both teams. So obviously Buffalo is a tire fire right now. Mm-hmm. There is rumors of Eichel wanting, asking to be traded or they were fielding calls on trading him. There is a rumor that he wants to go to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. So what does Buffalo do? They sign the best free agent forward on the market, a winger who could perfectly play with Eichel for a one-year, $8 million, which they have the cap space for to sign him, to play with Eichel to keep him happy and potentially, you know, create a, create like a duel over there in Buffalo. You know, if they make some noise, maybe they sneak into the playoffs. 
I don't know if that will happen. Mm. If there's a success there, then maybe Hall thinks about resigning and staying with Buffalo so they could have that tandem of Hall and Eichel, which would be sick because both of the players are honestly fast and they, I think they complement each other well. So that could be like a good thing for Hall. And if even if you, I mean, that's a good thing for Buffalo. For Hall, if it doesn't work in Buffalo, he can probably put up some points with Eichel. They can maybe move him at the deadline if he wants. And then he could just sign a bigger contract next offseason. So it's kind of a win-win for Hall, I would say. And then Buffalo, it's a bit risky. But, I mean, they had the cap space, so they just wanted to keep Eichel happy. I think it's a win-win for Buffalo because even if, like, Hall does good, it's definitely going to have some eyes on him from other teams to trade if you're not in a playoff spot. If you're in a playoff spot, it's even better because you just have him and Eichel just running the show in Buffalo on the forward group. But... I, I don't. I still don't see the Buffalo Sabers making the playoffs with such a good uh, Atlantic division, and because their bottom six is just terrible. So, but it's a it's a win win definitely for the Buffalo Sabers. For Hall, I, I pro- if I was Taylor Hall, I'd probably take a bit less cash and just head over to Colorado, where he was rumored to go from day one. Even if it was like six or five million dollars, I think you have a way better chance of the Stanley Cup for that matter. And in Buffalo, you don't even have a chance if you're making the playoffs. So. I mean, not a dumb decision, but very shocking across the whole NHL. And no one would have thought that Taylor Hall would end up in Buffalo of all places. So um, I guess kind of Petrangelo ties here in Tory Krug signing a $6.5 million deal for seven years in St. Louis, kind of replacing, in quotation marks, Petrangelo. Uh, what are your thoughts on this signing? So basically, after this was also surprising too, because everyone thought that he was going to go to Detroit or resign with Boston, and then the, the St. Louis came out of nowhere and just signed him, and that basically meant that they were going to get Petrangelo. So I kind of like this for St. Louis. Like, yeah, they obviously lost their captain and their best defenseman, but their left side was, I, th- in my opinion, weak compared to their right. So if you have Krug now he's gonna be playing with Pareko on the first pairing and then you have like Dunn and Falk on the second pairing and then I guess Gunnarsson and um whoever on the last pair I think their top four is like overall is still solid like they have Krug who can quarterback the power play similar to Petrangelo he's obviously more offensive and less defensive but then him and Pareko mm-hmm. can make a great pairing there as the first pairing yeah. so I, I like it for St. Louis just because as you can see from the cap differences, it was like over $2 million difference, which maybe to St. Louis was a lot because of the whole COVID and money and business or whatever. So I think that's why it, I think it's good for both, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good. Very shocking as well. No one would have thought, but it kind of put to bed the Petrangel coming back to St. Louis and kind of put him to bed in Vegas. So with Krug, the seven years is a bit risky, but... Because they have also his maybe even D partner, Justin Falk, for I think seven years as well. Which never should have been signed ever in hockey. But no. <laughs> I think Tori Krug is not Alexander Petrangelo. I think everyone knows that. He's more offensive. And I think he's a better... No, he actually is. He is a better puck mover than uh, Petrangelo on the power play. Which Tori Krug is really best at. And he's a really good power play specialist. He's going to make an impact there with all the forwards that the St. Louis Blues have on the power play. So I think that will be better next year because the Blues power play has been underwhelming the last few years, but I'm not saying it's Petrangelo's fault, but I think Krug is just going to help move the puck around on the power play and stuff like that. And then 
when you said uh, Pareko might be on his pairing, that's a great pairing, I think, because one's offensive and one's more defensive-minded, so they can both tackle each end of the ice. So I think that's actually could be I could be one of the best pairings in the NHL for sure. Yeah. So the next signing here is a goaltender, the hottest goaltender on the market. Went from one Western Canadian team to another, and that's Markstrom signing a six-year, $36 million deal with the Calgary Flames with an average annual value of $6 million a year. So Markstrom, the the money is not the problem for me. Like he he has been like honestly like a top five six goalie the last three years now with Vancouver. Yeah. And this year he was like exceptional for them to make the playoffs and stuff like that. We all know this because mm-hmm. we saw him play. Um, but just the the six years is kind of concerning because I think he'll be thirty one once the season starts next year. I I think thirty or thirty one. So. I don't know how it fits in with Calgary's kind of core, but they definitely mm-hmm. needed an actual goaltender, and this is the best goaltender they've had probably since Mar- since uh, Kiprasov, who retired yeah. seven years ago. So, I mean, <laughs> the the money is okay. The term's a bit of an issue, but overall I think it's a definite win for Calgary if they think that this core that they have... I know we've talked about it a few times with their core... Yeah. And if they if they trust it enough, I guess this shows that they they trust it enough. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I I say exact same thing as you. Um, I guess we'll kind of stay on the topic of Calgary. They also signed Chris Tanev to a four year, eighteen million dollar deal, which is an annual average value of four point five million dollars, which is really shocking because I don't think Chris Tanev is worth that. No, not at all. And it's even more surprising when they let Brody go. For 500k yeah. more, who's a better defenseman than Tanev? And they're more familiar with him. Yes. It honestly makes so, no sense. I, I, I didn't get it, and a lot of Flames fans didn't really get it, but if Chris Tanev can get back and stay on, his, stay on track with the form he's been on kind of recently and playing good in the offensive zone and more so the defensive zone blocking shots, I think it could be at best okay for the Flames because they had TJ Brody, like you said, Joe, and 500K more, like, come on. like They could have easily paid that 500K more for a guy you already know who's been in your system for a few years. So uh, They also signed Louis Domingue. That's a very small signing, goalie depth. But other than that, the Flames, they had an okay offseason so far, but nothing special. But j- getting Jacob Markstrom definitely helps them right now. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of Brody... Want to mention where he went? Yeah, so he goes to my Toronto Maple Leafs for four years, $20 million worth, and an annual average value of $5 million. I think it's fine. I think it's a guy that the Leafs need. Uh, he can play the right side, which is tremendously good for us because not only do we have to target a right-hand defenseman, he's actually left-handed and can play the right side. So whether he plays with Riley or plays with Muzzin, I think it's fine. And I think TJ Brody is kind of the defenseman we need. So I'm okay with the term. I'm okay with the money. That's perfectly fine with me. Uh, if we're still staying track on the Leafs thing, they also got Wayne Simmons in the, like the first five minutes of free agency when it opened. Uh, they signed him to a one-year, $1.5 million deal. I'm good with it. I don't know if other people are good with it. They think it's a bit too much and should have got league minimum, but I don't think Wayne Simmons is worth a league minimum. I think he's still got a bit of game left into him. So um, what are your thoughts on those two signings from the Leafs? Well, the Wayne Simmons one, like, I don't know how you can complain about that. It's like $1.5 million for a guy that's going to bring something that the team needed. Can't complain about that. 
And then the, the Brody one, I like because he'll, he'll most likely play with Riley the whole time throughout mm-hmm. his contract or whatever. Even though he's left-handed, he's played the right side a ton in Calgary playing with Giordano for most of his career. So that's not an issue at all. And he's more... I would I don't know if he's more I think we, I would say he's more defensive and it can let Riley loose a bit and he could also skate unlike mm-hmm. whoever whoever who else do they have oh Ron Hainsey who is Riley's uh, technically best D partner that he's had in his career a thirty eight year old Ron Hainsey yeah <laughs> who's more defensive but, yeah come on man that guy's ass <laughs> there's a reason why he's still unsigned yeah exactly. <laughs> So this is a definite upgrade over good old CC. Yeah, I'd agree there, and I I would also agree that Ron Hainsey was the last best pairing defenseman that Riley's had. Which is, I'm not I'm not saying Ron Ron Hainsey's bad, but like, dude, like Ron Hainsey, like he's 38. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so I think I'll I'll just we'll just stay on the topic of Leafs because they signed a bit more people. They signed Aaron Dell yesterday. Uh, to boost their goalie depth, which they haven't really had in a long time, considering uh, Michael Hutchison was their backup last year, starting backup goalie, which is saying a lot now because we have Campbell and Dell, which is pretty good. Uh, goalie depth, they also have Nick Dowd, not Nick Dowd, uh, Travis Boyd, and they also signed Zach Bogosian from the Tampa Bay Lightning's cup-winning team. I mean, I have no complaints about that, just I don't think he's capable of playing a full year, and I don't really want to see Zach Bogosian play a full year, but... It's good that he adds a lot of grit to this uh, defense core, which we haven't had in a very long time. So I like that move. And they also, I guess we could talk about the trade. They also traded Andreas Janssen for um, Joey Anderson. That's basically a cap dump for the Leafs, getting Joey Anderson. I mean, just a depth guy. And then also they signed Jimmy VC to 900K for one year, which is just even more depth for the team. So I, I like what they're doing. I mean, just adding cheap guys who have not a very big upside, but if they kind of go up in like their projectory or whatever they could be good depth pieces for the Leafs going into the season so I don't know what would you grade the Leafs if you had to grade them this offseason so far probably a B plus to A minus because they're getting guys that have something to prove on the cheap so these like a lot of these guys they got like Simmons Bogosian VC like those guys are playing for their career. Like they're not that old. Yeah. Like Simmons is thirty-two, Bogosian's like thirty, VC's like twenty-six or twenty-seven. So like mm-hmm. they have something to prove. So you'll probably get the best out of them. Well, as much as they can provide at this stage. So it's gonna be. They're all great value. So you can't complain about any of them. Obviously, no. Janssen was a cap casualty because of the Brody signing. So yeah. so up front they'll probably they'll be definitely weaker than last year. But on the back end, they've definitely improved. So you got to look at, you got to take some wins and losses. Yeah, and I think you really have to hate the management for what they've, like, I think you have to really just hate Kyle Dubas and the management if you think they had a bad offseason. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, your team was really busy in the offseason. They also were busy today signing a goaltender. Uh, Just let us know what the moves were that the Habs did this offseason. They've been busy as shit. So they first. Traded Max Domi in the 2023rd to Columbus for Josh Anderson, which I was not happy with at the time. And then, because uh, I thought the third was coming back, which made more sense, but they actually had to give a third for a guy who scored one goal last year. So I was like, what the hell is this? Then Domi resigned a short term $10.6 million with Columbus, so that's 5.3 AAV, which is what he was probably going to get. 
you wanted over five million. And then Anderson, they gave a monster seven year, thirty eight point five million dollar deal, which is five point five average for a guy again who scored one goal last year. But this is this is what the this is a player that they needed bad Montreal. They needed a power forward who's okay. Yeah. Other than last year, he scored twenty seven the year before on a pretty good Columbus team. So I think they're really hoping that that's what he's kind of like, like a twenty to twenty five goal guy that can hit and mm-hmm. can go in the corners and get the puck for like more skilled guys like uh, Suzuki and stuff like that. So I understand it from that point. Just the seven years is so long. And they also, um, what else they do? They they signed Tyler Toffoli Mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving, uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, to a four-year $17 million deal, average annual value of 4.25, which is, I think, a great signing for them. I just think they have a lot of right-wingers now when Mm -hmm. left wing was kind of a weakness for them. So I don't know if they're going to have Toffoli on the left wing. Because then that would be a, a really good top six if they if he plays the the left wing. So I don't know what they're gonna do over there, but they do have a lot more scoring depth. So they definitely improved up front. Yep. They also re-signed defenseman Jeff Petrie four years at six point two five, which starts in the 2021-2022 season. So yeah, he'll be older when the contract expires, but like for what he's done the last three years, he had over 40 points in three years straight. He would have had almost, oh, he would have had probably 45 to 50 this year if it was full. Plus, he was good in the playoffs. He's a great skater, so I have no problems with the deal at all. Even just the age, but like I think with his skating, he'll be fine. And then today, they just re-signed Jake Allen to a two-year, like five and a half million dollar deal, which is is interesting because he was a UFA. He's going to be a UFA next season. And I would I would have thought before today that Prima would have been back up next year and they yeah. let Allen walk. But now it gives them an opportunity to expose him in the expansion draft. If Seattle wants to take him, they can. And it's not even an expensive backup at all. Because yep. for the next three years, I guess, if he stays his full contract, they'll basically have a tandem of Price and Allen, which is okay. one of the honestly one of the better ones in the league, I would say. If they both stay healthy and they both continue to perform, so overall, I really love their off season. They don't have now; they have to resign like some key guys for next year, Gallagher and Dano. Yeah, they have a lot of decisions going forward, but for this year, they look really good—not really good. They look good on paper, and I honestly expect them to make the playoffs this season. Yeah, I, I really like the t- Tyler Toffoli signing. I think he got way under, not way under, but he got under what I think his market was, which was probably around 5, 5.5. And I think that's a really good deal, dude. He's going to get like 20 goals probably every year if he's in the top six because he's going to be playing with guys like Suzuki, Dano, if Kakanyami goes in the top six, uh, Druan and Tatar for the next year and Gallagher as well. Like, There's a lot of decisions to be made with the top six for your, your team, but... I think that's a good problem to have when you have more than less. So, yeah, I think the Habs had a pretty decent offseason. Uh, I'd probably give them like a probably B plus, A minus. They address need just like the the Leafs. They address needs that they want in their lineup, and I think they got them in a cheap, kind of cheap way. So, yeah, I really like what the Habs are doing as well. Um, so Tyler Toffoli obviously came from the Vancouver Canucks, who have had a very underwhelming offseason. 
And they also signed Braden Holpe to a two-year, $8.6 million deal, which is the full money he's getting over that two-year deal, which is 4.3 per year. So losing Markstrom, getting him, I don't think it's a bad play, but I'd, I wouldn't trust Demko in a full year. So I think this is pretty smart that the Canucks are doing this. Um, maybe they could have gotten Thomas Grice as a cheaper option and then maybe signed Tyler Toffoli for their offense, but... I, I, I don't see a problem here, to be honest. Like, I, Would you trust Demko in a full year by himself? No, not yet. So I think it's fine what the, uh, the Vancouver Canucks did. And they also helped out the Vegas Golden Knights by a trade, I think, a couple days ago, getting Nate Schmidt for a third-round pick, which is pretty cheap because Nate Schmidt's pretty good. Uh, he comes yeah. in a cap at, I think, 5.1 or something like that. Something Almost. like that, yeah. So uh, Nate Schmidt's good, but... They just helped out Vegas a lot there. When Vegas could have traded something for, like, traded him and something to Vancouver. But they needed him. Vancouver needed him. They lost, uh, they lost Tanev, I guess, so they kind of replaced him with that. Yeah, I would say he's better than Tanev, too. And oh, yeah. Yeah, so it helps their top four, for sure, because, like, I, like, I would say Schmidt's a bit more offensive, obviously more offensive than Tanev, but he could take, yeah. like, some of the pressure off of Quinn Hughes. Yeah. Like on the offense from the back end type of thing, so he'll probably play like I would say the pairing the top four like uh, Hughes and Myers, and then Edler and Schmidt. Because Schmidt can play the right side as well as a left shot. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the top four in Vancouver, which is not bad. Um, but another dumb move that they did was they not they didn't qualify Troy Stetcher, and he signed for like pennies on the dollar in Detroit. We'll just mention now signed two years at like. Like one point six million per year. Like you tell him you couldn't get him as like your fifth defenseman. He was good for you. Yeah. And you didn't even qualify him. Not not very smart move by Jimmy Bending there. No, that wasn't. But like I was talking on my other podcast about this. Like, it is an underwhelming offseason for the Canucks this year, but when you look at next year, they're gonna get a lot of people off the books, which is gonna help sign Pedersen and Hughes. So when we're in next off season, whenever that is, maybe it's in July or whatever, it's going to look a lot like a, a lot of Canucks fans and NHL fans will be a lot more happy with the Canucks that they didn't do. Like they obviously let go of a lot of people this year, but like, I think it's a smart move because they're going to have Pedersen and Hughes to lock up. So, I mean, yeah, they could have probably signed Toffoli and probably could have signed Stetcher, maybe signed a cheaper option in net, but I think things are going to look better next off season more than now for the Canucks. Um, yeah. Talking about the Holtby signing with the Canucks as well. Uh, Cam Talbot moves from the Calgary Flames to the Wild for three years, three point six million dollars. Mm. I mean, it's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the Wild are doing. They made a million moves, and like I still don't know what they're doing. I, I don't know if it's good. I don't know either. They like tore off, tore apart half the roster, and they didn't <laughs> improve it at all. Like. They didn't yeah, even get, like, good picks for, like, the stuff that they gave away. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I, I don't think it was... I think it was moves, not good moves. Yeah, exactly. They just made moves for the sake of making moves. Yeah. But uh, drafting Marco Rossi was probably the best thing that came out of the offseason for them. He's going to be good yep. for them. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> they needed someone like a player like that now. Yeah. And then, obviously, getting Kirill Kaprasov coming over this year is going to be a stud for them as well. Yeah, he's um, been in the pipeline for years. Exactly. And then a guy who's been there for basically his whole career, Miko Koivu, moves from them to the Columbus Blue Jackets for 
one year 1.5 million which is uh very surprising because come on like bill garen is just letting this guy walk like you're one of your best franchise players your captain you're just gonna let him walk for that much like come on i know they literally just came out and said like yeah we're not re-signing him like what like just at least like make him retire with the team yeah like come on just as a fourth line center like what's the harm man yeah, there's no harm in letting him go. So I don't know what they were doing there. So another Canadian team that was pretty active in the free agent market, and I think they had a pretty good free agent spending spree, if you would say, is the Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers. So a lot of Canadian teams kind of did well here in free agency, in my opinion. So then we have the Edmonton Oilers, who signed Tyson Berry to a one-year, $3.75 million deal with the Oilers. So he's going to just easily quarterback the power play and get a million points. So he can cash in next year on a long-term deal. Because he did not have a good year with the Leafs, offensively, defensively. Just not a good year overall. So he kind of, he's betting on himself. He put himself in a good situation. So good job for Tyson Berry, I guess. And then they also yeah. signed uh, Kyle Turris to a two-year $3.3 million deal, which is honestly a steal. If you can get like 35 to 40 points out of tourists possibly playing on the second power play he's going to be the third line center there so i think it's a great because they needed depth scoring and they got that with uh tourists and they also re-signed tyler ennis one year one million who was good for them last year as well so edmonton made a couple good moves that i like a couple cheap moves and they also brought back uh old reliable mike smith for his 300th year so Oilers fans are not happy about that one because the guy's 90, and so. They also yeah. brought back, well, not back, I guess back. They brought Jesse Pugliarvi back from Europe, yep. which is, I think, really underrated because I think he's pretty good now, and they shouldn't have rushed him in the league when he first started. I think they've, like, like you, Joe, I think they've had a really good offseason, just that Mike Smith setting. Man, you got outbought by the Detroit Red Wings from, for Thomas Grace. You're telling me you couldn't do that. I know. Mike Smith. At least have a tandem of Koskinen and Grace. It's better than yeah. Smith and Koskinen. Like, come on. Like, Smith didn't even have a good year, and you gave him $2 million. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he couldn't have asked for league men. Like, that's what he's worth. He's not good. I know. He's not good. <laughs> so, but I like what the Edmonton Oilers did this offseason, except that move. That was just stupid. But Yeah, it was. Yeah. I get Barry's going to probably be good for them because that's what happens with every leaf player that leaves here they're just good after that so i'm expecting tyson berry to quarterback that power play with mcdavid and dress and just put up numbers probably 50 points maybe even more so yeah possibly um boston signed craig smith three years for three point one three point one million dollars uh i think that's a great move he's very underrated he's one of the more underrated 20 goal scorers in this league that nobody hears about because he plays in nashville and he's under Guys like Arvidsson, Johansson, Duchesne, and uh, Philip Forsberg on forward. So I think it's a good signing for Boston, especially because now Pasternak and Marchand are out for the couple games to start the year. So that kind of even looks better for uh, Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what he did here. This is a steal, honestly. If he can score 20, he's going to be playing with Krejci. And if they sign yeah. DeBrus, that would be the second line, which is one of the better second lines in the league, I would say. So a pretty solid move here. The next move here was another Stanley Cup champion leaving the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's Kevin Shattenkirk signing a three-year, $11.7 million deal with the Ducks, average annual value of 3.9 mil. 
So it, I have no idea why the Ducks would just offer this to Shattenkirk. I mean, good for him. He played. He he played on a prove it deal last year with Tampa, like mm-hmm. one year, one point seven or something like that. After being bought up by the Rangers the year before, so good for him for getting paid even more. I don't know what the hell the Ducks are doing, man. They're not yeah, a good team, I, I, and they're I, I up against the cap. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't get this move. I mean, yeah, Kevin Shattenkirk's good. But did you have to go out of your way while you're in a rebuild to sign him? Like, does he make your team that much better than he, what you were? Like, their decor is good, just like you're in a rebuild. Like, I don't really think you needed to sign Kevin Shankirk to this deal. Yeah. And especially what you said, Joe, they're over the cap now. So that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the Ducks are trying to do here. But they're getting a lot of contracts off the books next year, I think. So, yeah. If anything, they could have just got like a forward with that money. Like their decor, yeah. their top three and four is pretty solid. Their forwards are awful. So, <laughs> um, what else we got here? Oh, yeah. So speaking of Detroit, so we mentioned this earlier. Thomas Gray signed a two-year, seven point two million dollar deal with Detroit, three point six million per year. So that's gonna. I think it's gonna be a tandem of him and Bernier because Bernier is under contract for one more year, I believe, or two. At around two something, mm-hmm. so that's going to be a, a better tandem than how Jimmy Howard, who's still a free agent, had two yeah. good wins last year out of uh, like thirty games. So that guy is brutal. They also signed Bobby Ryan, one year, one million. I don't know why Ottawa bought him out. They need, they still need to reach the cap floor, even with a, a move that we'll mention later. It's a trade that they did. Yeah. They they mm-hmm. still need to reach the floor and. Ryan, who is obviously not even close to being worth seven mil, is still fine with Ottawa. He's been there for so long, and they need to reach the floor. So I don't know why they had to buy him out. But at least he landed with Detroit, still in the Atlantic Division, so good for him. They also signed Vlad Domestikov, which I think is a uh, honestly a, a, could be a steal. Two-year, $4 million, $2 million a year. So he's going to be playing in the top six, no problem. And they also signed, as we mentioned before, Troy Stetcher, to two years at like 1.5 per year. So Detroit got a lot better than they were last year on paper. They added a couple of top, they added some forwards, a defenseman, a goalie. So Stevie Y is working some of his magic over there already. So. Yeah, I, I really like what the Detroit Red Wings are doing. They're telling their team basically like, we, tr- we plan not to ice no NHLers. Like we're trying to actually get NHL players to play for our team and kind of get us out of the basement. And I think they will because they have a pretty decent team on paper. Like, hopefully it works out for them. Uh, going back to Domestikov, though, he's a Yeiserman guy. You played with him in Tampa, and then they obviously got traded to the Rangers and then stuff like that. But I think that's a good signing for them. I think it's – all these signings are win-wins for them because if they don't work out, just trade them for picks, like, honestly. Exactly. And they also got John Merrill as well. I don't, I don't know the details on the contract, but – yeah, they also got him on defense. So they added Stetcher, Merrill, and Mark Stahl to their defense core. So that's, like, it's not bad. Yeah, it's an upgrade of what they had of, uh, like, the Kaiser and uh, Mike Green, who retired. And uh, I can't name, oh, Ronick. That's the only yeah. ones I can name on that team. Yeah, so it's definitely an upgrade for the Detroit Red Wings. And it's telling your team we're not going to be as bad as next year. So I like what Geiserman's doing. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Lucas Raymond can come over to Detroit Red Wings soon, and he'll be good for them as well. And they're going to get a lot more younger in the forward group as well with Zadina and Valeno coming up maybe. So I'm excited for the Red Wings. Um, I guess we could talk about the Washington Capitals, what they did. So they signed 
Longtime New York Rangers goaltender Henrik Lundqvist to a one-year $1.5 million deal. Thought that was pretty weird considering Ovi's beat him so many times in <laughs> his career. It is a weird fit. Like, I was thinking if I were him to maybe go to, like, the thing was, the thing with, I was thinking, but this didn't end up happening, that Vegas was going to trade Flurry. That's not going to happen now. Leonard actually mm-hmm. just had the surgery on his shoulder, so they're going to rock that tandem next year again. Yeah. But if I were him and, like, say, like, Flurry was traded, I would have signed as a Vegas backup. Yeah. That would have been pretty cool. But, I mean, he goes to Washington, a massive division rival since he entered the league. And he's going to be number 35, which is just awful. Like, 30 was available for him, and he didn't take it. That's so dumb. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, like, I don't know if Washington's going to win the Cup. Like, they're kind of a lot older than they were two years ago. But, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, if Hank wants to go there, then he went there. And then speaking of the Caps, they also signed Justin Schultz. This contract is not good. <laughs> Two years, eight million. It's four million a year for a guy that's been brutal the last two years. You would think if he got signed by Washington, it would be a one-year, one point five million dollar contract. But nope, they just gave him top four money for a guy who's been terrible the last two years. Yeah, that's that's weird for me. I mean, I get like he replaces Kempney because Kempney, I think, is supposed to be out basically the whole season. But he's not very good defensively, and you already have a guy like okay, not like. But you have Carlson, offensive, yeah, offensive defenseman, number one defenseman who plays like who plays like Justin Schultz in a way, and then you just brought in Justin Schultz and just four mil for two years. Okay, that was just the randomest thing they could have done. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. Like I think like they're very old, the Capitals, but I think they're still good. I just know I don't, I just don't know if they have what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. That's my. Yeah, do I? I don't think it. I think that magic might be lost now. So. Who knows? We'll see. Now they have the tandem of Lundqvist and Samsonov, so maybe that switches things up for their dynamic. Maybe yeah. Holpe was... I don't know. Anyways, they made some changes. We'll see if they can run it back. But there's also... Yeah. A, like This offseason had so many goalies that were available, and two more that went to different teams. It was Corey Schneider signing a two-year $7.8 million deal with the Devils at $3.9 million per year. Everyone thought this guy was like gonna retire at the end of the year. Like they made it seem like he was done and like he didn't want to play anymore. All of a sudden, he signs two year deal with Detroit. I mean, uh, with the Devils. So that's that's honestly really weird. But like, I like to fit with him in Detroit. I'm fuck. Keep saying Detroit. <laughs> the Devils. I have it written here. I can't read because he's gonna have a tandem with him and Mackenzie Blackwood, who they still have to sign because he's an RFA. But obviously, they'll sign him. Mm-hmm. But I think that's it. Like, it's smart for the Devils to do that because it, you have a veteran Crawford who can teach him the ropes a little bit, some tips here and there. Because, mm-hmm. obviously, the Blackwood's the future goaltender of that team. They're probably, they'll probably do a tandem split because I don't know if Blackwood could take the whole load right now. And then speaking of the Devils, they bought out their other goaltender in Corey Schneider, <laughs> who, was, who has not been the same at all since he had the couple hip surgeries. I honestly thought the guy was retired. He, I was busting out some takes on NBC during the playoffs that I just mailed it into his <laughs> yeah. career. But big boss Lou Lamorello came up to him and gave him a one-year $700,000 deal with the Islanders. He replaces Thomas Grace, which is fine. He's not as good as Grace anymore, but maybe as a, just a pure backup to Varlamov could work. But so that's just some more goalies just on the move this offseason. 
Yeah, I think I think Schneider's their third goalie because they have Ilya Sorokin coming over from Europe, and he is making two million dollars next year for one year. So I think Corey Schneider's just goalie depth for the Islanders, and he's familiar with Lou Lamarillo. Obviously, you just said that, but I don't know if Schneider's still good. But I guess we kind of bashed on him, and everyone in the NHL bashed him because his contract was in play as well. He was making six million dollars, and he was yeah. he had like three wins last year. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know if like three wins like in two years combined. He was sent down to the AHL. They had Louis yeah, Domingue so, last year with Blackwood. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an upgrade with Crawford coming in there. So, Yeah. So that's all the major free agency signings. As of right now, recording this episode, Hoffman and Dadanov and a few yeah. other big names still haven't signed yet. So unless they sign today, this episode might be a little bit outdated. But as of right now, they have not signed yet. So we're just going to move on to some major trades that happened. We already mentioned a few of them, like the Domi for Anderson. We mentioned Andreas Janssen to the Devils. But there's a lot of others that we didn't mention that some were pretty big, especially for Colorado. Yeah, so Colorado is getting Brandon Saad from the Blackhawks in exchange for Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm. So with this one, like it's, it's kind of head-scratching because... The, the Chicago Blackhawks and Stan Bowman lose the... I would say lose the Brandon Saad trade three times they've traded him. They did, because all the three times. Time, yeah, the <laughs> first time they got... I think it was Anisimov or someone. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was Anisimov. And then you got... You trade him for Panarin, and then you traded him for Zadorov. So three Russian players that... One of them is very, very good, but the other two are not very good, and... Brandon Saad was a part of their core group who they got a few years ago, and the players apparently asked for him to come back because the chemistry was off, which was ridiculous because Panarin and Kane were one of the best league duos in the league. And getting Brandon Saad back, I thought he was going to stay there until the end of this contract because he was familiar with the team. But they decided to move on from him just unexpectedly and trade him once again to the Colorado Avalanche, who is going to be very good in their top six because with Nathan McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Kadri, Donskoy... Brandon Saad is going to just float right in there and make a major impact on their top six. Exactly. And speaking of Zadorov, he did sign a one-year. He was in our face, so he signed a one-year $3.1 million deal with Chicago. But like you said, like I don't know what Chicago... <laughs> How can you go 0 for 3 on the same player? Like three different trades. Like That's far I don't understand. Like At this point, once his contract expires, he'll re-sign in Chicago again. Yeah, honestly. Like, like, <laughs> it's so stupid. But for Colorado, this is a... Definitely a good move for them. Obviously, they needed depth scoring. You kind of saw that in the playoffs as well. Similar to Vegas, they just they needed more out of that, out of their other than that McKinnon line and Kadri. That was basically like their four guys that were scoring in the playoffs. So they also re-signed Burakovsky, which is good. He was solid for them, so he'll he might be in the top six. So automatically, their forwards are a lot better, especially their top six. And then since they lost Zadorov, who is a pretty good member of their top six, they traded. For Devon Taves from the New York Islanders for a 2021 and 2022 second round pick. So two second round picks for Taves. I believe he's an RFA, so they do have to sign him still. Yeah. I don't know if they signed him yet, but again, he Sakic is just making these unreal deals. Like Taves could easily play in the top four with them. He was very solid with the Islanders, but he's more suited as a fifth defenseman, which he's probably going to be that uh, with Colorado. So they basically added Sod for... Mm-hmm. They basically added Taves 
Devontae's inside for two seconds because Zadorov was in RFA anyways and they weren't going to sign him. So, good bit of business yeah. there for Sakic. Yeah, I've seen all the memes on Twitter where people like don't want to deal with Joe Sakic because he just rinses you in trades and over the last couple of years he's done that and he's he's a he's a really good GM and he really knows what he's doing. So, I really like the trade for Colorado. They're getting a guy who can play the power play if uh if Gerard can't really do that consistently. Like I don't I don't think Gerard's necessarily bad at it, but I think Devontae's might be a bit better than Gerard, so that's a good option for your power play as well. But then I, I get where Lou Lamarillo was coming from. Like I do. Like they didn't have cap space to sign Devontae's, Pulak, and Barzell, so one had to go. But man, like the contract he has tied up on the forward group with Anders Lee, uh, Brock Nelson, who's not bad, but I'm just saying the contracts they have tied up with him, Barzell, or Barzell, him, Lee, Eberle, Lad, who <laughs> obviously Lou Lamarillo did not didn't sign, but still. It's just, I, I get, and he, he got two seconds for it, at least, Devontae's. Like, at least, at least didn't get nothing for him, you know what I yeah. mean? So, Devontae's, obviously, he's better on the Islanders, but if you couldn't get a deal done and you know Barzell and Pulak are going to ask for a lot, I mean, it's not a stupid decision for Lou Lamarillo to trade him, but he's better on the Islanders than, than not on the Islanders, so. Yeah. And then, what other trades we got here? So, speaking of the Wild again... They were remember that trade that they were supposed to do at the deadline. It was like Lad going to Minnesota and Parise coming to the Islanders. Yeah. Imagine if that contract was now on the Islanders. Then you had to sign oh Barzell and Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been an utter disaster. But speaking again of the Wild, they made another questionable trade when they traded Devin Dubnik in a seventh round pick to San Jose for a fifth. Like. I know Dubnik is not as good as he once was a few years ago, but to get rid of your goalie like that for a fifth round pick, like, mm-hmm. and they, all they did was sign Cam Talbot to replace him. So, like, it's not like they got someone substantially better, which was dumb. And they also traded Donato to the Sharks as well. So, it's like they basically yeah. got the Sharks a tandem with Dubnik and Jones, and then Donato was, like, a, I guess, a top nine forward. So, more questionable moves for Mini. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like, I don't think Dubnik and Jones is a pairing you want for the San Jose Sharks, but if they can play mediocre, I think the Sharks can make the playoffs because, and also it depends on the health of the whole team because they seem to always get injured year after year after year after year. So if they can stay healthy and they get mediocre goaltending from Devin Dubnik, who hasn't been good, and Martin Jones, who has been terrible the last few years, I, I think they can make the playoffs. It's very possible because... Besides the Vegas Golden Knights, who are going to win the division, and if they don't, that would be an embarrassment. I think the division's wide open for the next teams to kind of flow into the playoffs. So, as soon as they can do that, they can uh, they can definitely step into the playoffs. And they also signed. If we're we're just going to talk about the San Jose Sharks, not about a trade, but they also signed um, Kevin LeBanc to a deal. I think it's four years, four point seven. It's not terrible, but you also have to remember that he took a pay cut last year to kind of bet on himself this year. And it didn't really work out, but it's probably what he would have gotten last year if he took this deal because he came off an extremely good playoffs, an extremely good year. So if LeBanc can probably put up 50 points like consistently on the San Jose Sharks year after year, I think it's a good deal for both sides, to be honest. like I think he's a good player and he's up and coming. So He's also 24, so it's very young. But yeah, yeah I think it's a good deal. 
Yeah, I agree. And they also brought back old reliable Patty yep. Marlowe, one year, 700K, just so he could break the Gordie Howe record and hopefully retire. Because at this point, he's, yeah, he's going to break it and they'll probably be like, Casey, okay, uh, terminate the contract. Yeah, like, I don't know what he does. Do you think he, like, obviously if they're in a playoff spot, they're going to keep him. But, like, if they're not, are they going to trade him again? <laughs> Why not? I'm going to get a free pick out of it again. <laughs> like, oh my god, they traded him to Pittsburgh and it didn't work out. Like, come on. He's been maybe, on this team three times. Maybe they'll send him to Colorado for some depth scoring and then he'll just re-sign again next year so he could, uh, I don't know, <laughs> score five goals a year. Yeah, like, like I like Patrick Marlowe just with this signing again, if they're not good again... And you want to ask for a trade? It just—it's ruining like his not reputation, but his legacy that he left by, behind in San Jose. Exactly. Like, I get that he came to the Leafs. I get that he came to the Leafs and signed a deal with three year, and then got bought out. That started kind of the thing where it's like, oh, like Patrick Marlowe's probably done in his career. Then he gets traded to Carolina, and then he signs with San Jose for one year, and I was like, oh, okay, he's going to finish the career there. No, he actually gets traded to Pittsburgh, and then he signs again in San Jose. So like. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like he's definitely gonna break that Gordy Howe record, but I, I just want him to retire in San Jose. Just, just do it, please. Yeah, same with Thornton. <laughs> yeah. There's rumors of him coming to the Leafs, so I don't know why. At the, like, I, for me, it doesn't seem like both of them want to win, even though they say they want to win. They're, they look like they're like kind of like screwing around with the end of their career, like. If I was Marlowe, I would have not re-signed with San Jose this offseason. I would have probably signed with Colorado because they have one of the best chances to win the whole thing. Yeah. Or like Vegas for 700K or something like that. Not go mm-hmm. back to San Jose again for the third yeah. time when you left as a free agent then signed whatever, whatever. Now Thornton, yeah. who's fucking doing nothing in Switzerland, has got a massive dad bod going, has mutual interest from the Leafs for reasons I don't know. The guy's 41 and his <laughs> knees are non-existent. Like, can you just retire? Because you guys look like you're not serious about winning and just yeah. playing a million games. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I think that, like, I don't think the legacy is getting ruined, but it's definitely taking a toll now because you're just like, oh, here we go again. They're doing this stuff. They're getting old. They're not good. So, like, I'd rather just um, retire while they're good and still making an impact in the NHL. And I still think they can make an impact. It's just how they're going to make an impact. Like, don't go out of your way and sign like if joe thorne signs with the leafs retire with the leafs that season don't do not go back to the san jose sharks or go with another team <laughs> next season like just stop just stop it's like a drug going back there honestly man um speaking of the vegas golden knights what you said about uh patrick morla maybe going there they had to get rid of paul stasny in order to sign alexander petrangelo as well so they dealt him to the jets who he's going there for a second stint another stint going on here uh, for Carl Dahlstrom and a fourth round 2022 pick. So, again, like George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, just they didn't, they didn't even have to trade anything with Stasny. They're getting stuff back from the Jets. Mm-hmm. So, their management's really good. Like, like I know this is a, not a, a bad comparison, but the Leafs had to trade a first round pick for Patrick Marlowe in order for them to get rid of his contract. And the Vegas Golden Knights are probably in a tighter situation here to sign Petrangelo. And they're getting assets back for the players they're getting rid of in desperation. Yeah. The thing is, like, Vegas was able to smartly identify that Winnipeg has zero second-line center. Exactly. Has no center behind Shifley. So, they're like, you know what? Stasny played there. He was really good there when they went to the Western Conference Finals. He was playing with line and Ehlers. And he'll literally do the exact same thing now, even though he's mm-hmm. older. 
he had some good chemistry with those two, and those two are fast and they can shoot and whatever. So it's honestly a good fit for the Jets, and they also gave up nothing. So it's a win-win for both. But the, yeah, Winnipeg definitely helped Vegas again here. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of the last trade and signing here we have to talk about is another goaltender who's who's uh, been in the news recently because this his team had two goaltenders and one had to go because of contract situations. And that was on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I think you can guess who this goalie is. It's Matt Murray, and he's going to the Ottawa Senators. He got traded for a 2020 second-round pick and Jonathan Gruden. So I would say a pretty good deal for Ottawa. And then they ended up signing him to a four-year deal worth $6.25 million a season. So uh, I gave my thoughts on the podcast I was recently on just now. You can give yours first, and then we'll see where we go from there. So for this one, it, it's honestly a win-win for Ottawa. Like, they had an, almost no goal. Like, well, they have the, the Forsberg guy, right? As a goalie uh, right now? What, like, as a starter? No, like, remember they traded that for that prospect goalie? Oh, Gustafson from Gustafson, yeah. yeah. So they have him, but he's still, like, young. So I guess they didn't re-sign Craig Anderson, who's still a free agent. So mm-hmm. they're like, what the heck? They got a second-round pick for a starting-caliber goalie. They have Nielsen to back him up right now. And the term and the money is not bad at all for a starting goalie with two cup wins. Like, that's basically, like, because if Murray went to arbitration, he would have got, like, $6 million a year just because he won, like, the two cups and all that. Like, he has reasons to get that money. Plus, he's only 26. It fits in with their, with their, with their uh, like, their age core, kind of. Yeah. So... I like this move a lot from Ottawa. Plus, they still need to reach the cap floor. So even if they did overpay a little bit, like some people thought it's a little bit much, but, I mean, what do they have to lose? Like, they don't have anyone really to sign except for Brady Kachuk soon. That's, like, a major piece yeah. as of right now. Like, they already have Shabal locked in. They got Colin White. They have, uh, like, a few others that they, they need to resign. But mm-hmm. they have the money. So, like, I don't see how, like, they would overpay. It's only four years as well, so... Yeah. I like the signing. That's exactly what I said last time. Like I'm like, they have the cap space to do it. Just do it. Like I don't think Matt Murray's worth six point two five million dollars. But at the end of the day, you didn't have a starting goalie, and you traded for one, and then he signed as an RFA for six point two five million dollars. Like I don't think it's bad. Just I said this last time. If this, if he got this deal, let's say he got traded to the Maple Leafs. Let's say he just does the exact same uh, trade, a second rounder and a random prospect, and let's say he signs this deal with the Leafs, the Leafs organization and fans would absolutely riot at this deal. They would scream at the management, they go all over Twitter, but it's happening in Ottawa where it's actually fine because they need this cap space to get to the cap floor. So that's why I think the deal is fine because they have the cap space to do it and they have the the movement and money to do this and spend the cap floor. So I think it's fine. But when it gets to year four, it could get a little messy because Ottawa is set to be okay around then and going to need to sign some more prospects and deals to players that they want to get their team better but i, I think it's fine they have the space to do it so why, might as well do it like I, ca- I can't bash them for it because they do have the space so I, I think it's fine i mean a bit over an overpayment but yeah whatever yeah exactly i think that is it yeah um let's check if anything happened on cap friendly no, nothing happened. Just some random. Just Jake Allen was the last big one. Then Glenn got in on Calgary. That's basically it. But there's going to be a lot more players. Like, there's still Dadunov, Hoffman, who I think one of them should sign on Florida. 
Yeah, one of the. I think they might. I think they're leaning toward Dadanoff, Florida. But yeah. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Because apparently, I saw yesterday on TSN and on uh, Sportsnet uh, that Chris Johnson tweeted. I think Gina Reda was talking about Hoffman getting maybe 6.5. That's a lot. It's I a mean, lot. the guy could score. Yeah. Like, that's a thing. Like he could score 20. He had like 29 goals with the pause. He would have got like another 35 plus goal season. So, exactly. like, it is a lot. And, but he does score, man. He's got a great shot, and he can score on the power play. I mean, it's a bit risky because he's 31, but yeah. if it's short-term, then I would be okay with it if I was a fan of a team that signs him. Yeah, I thought he was going to go to the Habs, not going to lie, if they didn't get to Foley. Like, that would have been a really good option. Yeah, I think it was more maybe the age because he is three years older than Toffoli, and they only yeah. give Toffoli a four-year deal, so they basically ate up Toffoli's prime, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know where Hoffman lands. I can see, like, apparently it's uh, between Columbus, Nashville, and someone else. Like, even, honestly, dude, even Colorado can just sign him. Like, yeah, they could. Or Dadunov, one of those two guys. Yeah, like, but I think Dadunov's going to go back to the... Like, they have to get one of them. Or something. Yeah. They're... Like, I still think they have a decent team floor, and they made the changes this offseason, and we've seen that from the signings they've done. But... Just getting one back even helps like tremendously, but I think it's dad enough just because the familiarity on the line with uh, Barkoff and Huberto. But yeah, Hoffman's like he's kind of underrated, not gonna lie, because he consistently gets thirty goals every year. Yeah. So uh, we'll keep up you updated on that. There's also Duclair who's in the market as well. So there's still a lot of pretty good, decent players on the market still, and uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated whenever that happens. And I guess do you have any last words, Joe? No, uh, actually, keep an out. Uh, keep a lookout for Thomas, who's doing another one of his top fifty players of the twenty nineteen twenty season. He did this last year as well, where he pulled everyone's take or picks from the breakdown mm-hmm. into an Excel sheet, breaks it down, and then can uh, basically makes his top fifty from from the overall averages of where the guys land. So check that out. I believe 40 to 31 is coming out soon, so keep a lookout for that. All right, I think that's it from me. That's it from you. We will be back next time. Join us. Woo!